You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning there, my friend. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm hanging in there over here, brother. How are you? Aren't we all oh, hanging in to. there as always? Yeah. What, what, what choices do we have? You have to. Got to make it through every day. How was your week? My week was really good. I had a lot of closings going on this week. So I've been dealing with a lot of buyers and people refinancing and talking about the closing process and what's entailed. And that's why I thought it'd be great to just tackle that today after hearing all the misinformation out there. What are the rates? I, I know that it, it's every day is different, you know, but I mean, they're, they're still pretty reasonable, right? The rates are phenomenal. Two, they're close to the all time lows. I mean, on a 15 year loan right now, you're definitely looking at rates in the 2%, you know, yeah. two to three range. And I would say on 20 and 30 year loans, I've seen some in the high twos to low threes. Uh, again, assuming you have excellent credit, you know, putting a good down payment or have equity, but the rates are still phenomenal right now. Still great opportunities for people if they haven't yet taken advantage of buying or refinancing. Uh, now's as good a time as ever. Good to hear. Good to hear. So this uh, this morning, I figured uh, we'll talk about something that I'm actually kind of looking forward to, and I think uh, anybody listening to this would would want to listen rather intently. Um, something I don't think we've really covered in too much detail before. No, I mean, haven't. the topic comes up, but it's in the context of the show that we're doing at that moment. I think we delve a little more into the weeds of the closing process. Definitely. Um, all right. So then let's start with something uh, just pretty basic. Maybe go through, you know, what is entailed in the closing process. Okay. So. Like you said, we've covered a lot of the mortgage process right. and, and the processing of your loan on other shows, but we want to really hone in on the closing process. So where that's going to start is really when your underwriter or your processor, they issue something called the clear to close, or they'll say you're cleared to close. It's a phrase. It's a statement that they'll make. You'll hear realtors say it and people all over and say, hey, you're cleared to close. So what does that mean? It means that you are ready to close. They're ready to schedule your closing. So that's really that first step of the closing process is getting the clear to close, scheduling the closing. So you'll figure out the date and the time and the location of where you're going to go for your closing. If you're refinancing, they might be coming to your house. An attorney will come and do the paperwork at your house. If you're buying a home, you'll probably go to like an attorney's office or a real estate office. So that's the first step. Next would be there's some tabulations that are going to happen at that at this next uh, point. And these tabulations are going to be all the closing numbers. So they are going to go back and forth between the mortgage company closing department and your attorney or title company that's doing the closing. They're hmm. going to exchange some emails and phone calls, and they're going to hone in on some exact numbers of how much are we collecting for the escrow account? How much are the closing costs? You know, looking at what the down payment is and all of these different things, as well as how much have you already put down as a deposit, an earnest money deposit, um, and other credits that you may be getting from the seller or gift funds or things like that. So they're going to do all those tabulations. Then they are going to approve the closing disclosure. So what that means is that there's a few different parties that are going to look at this disclosure and they're going to double check the amount of taxes, insurance, 
like we said, closing costs, down payment. They're going to like make sure all the numbers are very accurate, down to the penny, and they're perfect. Then at that point, your loan officer is going to contact you to review that closing disclosure and give you your final closing figures. Here's what your payment is. Here's your final interest rate. Here's exactly how much money you need for closing. They're going to break it all down for you. Then you're going to go and you're going to send your money to the closing office. So that could be if you're buying a home, you might be wire transferring money to them that's needed for the down payment and whatnot. Um, certain attorney's offices due to wire fraud, they don't want you to wire them money. They want a cashier's check, which means you're going to have to go to your bank and get a cashier's check and bring it to the closing. One way or another, you're going to have to get your funds to the closing office title company or attorney. And then the last piece of it's going to be, if you're buying a home, you're going to do a final walkthrough of the house. Make sure everything's on the up and up. That either happens the day of closing or maybe the day before. And then you're going to sign that final paperwork on your scheduled closing time. So you're going to either go somewhere or they're going to come to you. You're going to sign every single document, uh, depending on the type of closing. It may be hundreds of pages. If it's a hybrid or an express closing, it might be 30 or 40 pages. Um, but you're going to have to sign all that and then you're going to get the keys to your home and you're going to be able to move in so that's really hmm. the closing process from okay. clear to close until you get the keys so well, then what happens on closing day when when purchasing a home so there's a lot of confusion around the actual day of closing what's going to happen because you've put so much effort into the actual process of buying the home and your mortgage that people overlook what's actually going to happen on the day of closing. So let me walk you through it here. The first thing is you want to make sure that the funds that you need for closing are at the office who's facilitating the closing. So that means, like we said, wire transfer, cashier's check. One way or another, you're going to need to get your money to them. And if you're doing a cashier's check, you're going to need to go to your bank. Or a lot of banks require that you go in person to wire funds. Some do it online, but a lot require you go in person. So you're going to need to go to the bank. Usually I recommend you do that either very early in the morning on closing day or ideally maybe the day before closing to make sure that they've got the money there for your closing. The next thing is once you've got your funds in order, you're going to do that final walkthrough. That could be on the morning of the closing. It might be the day before, but somewhere right around there, you're going to do that final walkthrough. Usually you'll do that with your realtor to make sure that the house is in the condition that you thought it was in. There's nothing crazy. There wasn't a flood over the weekend or something that's going to make a major issue in regards to the property condition. And then once that's done and you're satisfied, you're going to go to the office or they're going to come to you uh, and you're going to actually sit down and you're going to sign the final paperwork. You want to be prepared to show usually at least one or two forms of identity, driver's license, passport, government issued ID, maybe another form of ID as well. If you don't have a driver's license or passport available, double check with your closing office or attorney ahead of time because I've seen closings heavily impaired if you don't have those forms of identity that you need. You're going to sign that paperwork with them, ask any questions that you have while you're signing it, because on a home purchase, it's a done deal. You sign it, you're done. You can't back out at that point. Um, all of the documents that you sign are going to be sent into the mortgage company's funding department. There's a department at your mortgage lender called a funding department. Their entire job is to deal with the banks and attorneys or the title companies that are doing the closings. Make sure that every single document that needs to be in that closing package is there. Every single signature is where it needs to be. Every single date is where it needs to be. If there is even one date missing, one initial missing, one signature missing, 
it will not go through. They will go back to the attorney or title company. They will say, hey, we need this, we need that before we can authorize you to fund this loan. So they'll usually exchange a few emails. I would say 50, 60% of the time, there are no conditions at that point. It's like, hey, everything looks good. Go ahead and fund the loan. But there are these circumstances. It happens a lot. There's a lot of paperwork and there might be a missing initial. I see a lot like, oh, this one page, maybe it got stuck on somebody's thumb when they were, you know, turning the page and it didn't get signed or initialed. Or maybe there's a date where there's not supposed to be a date. Maybe there's not a date on a line that needs a date. These are the things that is really trivial as they sound, they are so important. They are so, so important. If that isn't perfect, the loan is basically unsellable. It's not able to be securitized in the market the way that it has to be in order for it to be an asset. So they're going to go back and forth and have you initial sign or provide whatever needs to be provided to make that full or whole as far as the, the closing package goes. They're also going to send into them your proof of funds. So the money we talked about earlier that you need to wire or get uh, for your attorney or closing uh, closing office, mm -hmm. they're going to need to show where that money came from, what bank account, what's the name of the bank, what's the account number it came from. And the funding department's going to match that up with the funds that you verified for the underwriter. So if you verified a TD bank account, with a last four digits of one, two, three, four, and you give them a Bank of America account with different bank, different uh, account number, it's gonna cause problems, okay? So you can't do that, and that's how they're gonna facilitate that, and then they're gonna authorize the funding of your loan. Once all that stuff is done, they're gonna do that. Could take anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes on average, so you might be sitting there twiddling your thumbs for 15, <laughs> 20 minutes, or mm. some people will leave the closing office, and I've had it where they have to get called back in. Hey, you missed an initial, and they have to turn their car around and go back to the closing office, so I recommend you sit there for the 15 to 20 minutes and just wait to make sure that it's authorized to fund, and the last thing is you're gonna get the keys to your home. You're going to move into your home, depending on your agreement with the seller, usually right away or the next day, you can get the keys and move into that house. What about the term cleared to close? I'm sure you've heard this. What, is that, what yep, exactly does that yep. mean? So it's a really common expression used in any type of mortgage lending. And it's a, it's a huge breath of fresh air. It's a weight off the shoulders because cleared to close means the way it sounds. It means you are cleared. You okay. are ready. You okay. are good to go. You are ready to close. So the technical term for it or the technical analysis of what cleared to close means is that there's these things on a mortgage called prior to document conditions, which means that before they'll release your closing documents, prior to those documents being released to the closing office, there's all these stipulations, all these things that have to be handled, whether it be documents or information or questions that have to be answered. Once you get the clear to close, it means that all of those prior to document conditions have been satisfied. So then they can go ahead and issue those closing documents out. You have the go ahead, so to speak, to schedule your closing. So it's an exciting time. I mean, when I call my clients and tell them they're cleared to close, it's like, congratulations, we are 99% of the way done. Like we are at the finish line and people get super excited. It's emotional because you put in all this work and you're finally getting like so close and so ready and all that time and effort and everything you've had to provide, it's finally coming to fruition. So people really get emotional. I've had a lot of people cry when oh, they find out they're clear to close because that's so nice. much work is finally paying off. Sure. How far in advance will you get the numbers for your closing? So 
by law, there's a law that came out several years ago called TRID, T-R-I-D, if you want to look it up. We don't have time to delve into all the specifics of the law, but basically what that law entails is that you as a home buyer or homeowner that's financing a mortgage, you need to get these numbers far ahead of time. You can't get them the day of the closing or even the day before. On a conventional or government loan or really any type of residential loan at least, you need to get at least three business days before the closing. You need to get at least a very solid estimate, if not the final number down to the penny, you'll at least know here's all the fees that are being paid, the down payment, all that you'll be able to get. It's usually, if not exact, within a few hundred dollars of exact. Um, and you have to get that at least three days ahead. Now you should get it even before that, but it has to be by law at least the three days ahead. And that's what this whole TRID law was about, is making sure that you as a home buyer or homeowner, you're not being caught off guard at the last minute. Because what used to happen is people would find out at 9 a.m., they're closing at 10 or 11 a.m., and they'd find out the day of their closing or the night before, here's how much money you need. It caused a lot of stress. It caused a lot of issues. So they put this law in place uh, to give you that information well ahead of time. Now, on a refinance, you're going to want to know those exact numbers. There really shouldn't be any back and forth or potential changes on a refi because there's no seller involved. So they should be able to tell you with relative certainty, here's what your payment is. Here's what your rate is. Here's how much money either you need for closing or you're getting back from closing. That should really be finalized at least three days before on a refi. But on a home purchase, I always recommend to my clients, Call your attorney or title company or, or someone ahead of time, like the day before the closing or the morning of the closing, just to make sure you have that money down to the penny. Because sometimes things do occur at the last minute, as we'll talk about. You definitely want to make sure that you don't have to send them money twice. Sure. So if you wired them, let's say $10,000, but you need $10,100, well, what's going to happen with the extra hundred? Now you're going to have to go do another wire or get another cashier's check. So that's why my best practice I use with all my clients is to contact the person that's facilitating your closing the day before, ideally, but at least the morning of the closing to make sure before you actually send them your money, before you get that cashier's check or wire, know that exact amount that's going to really make sure that you don't have to do it twice. Just out of curiosity, how long do you have to review the closing documents? So on a home purchase, you can get the closing documents well ahead of time, but it's usually going to be a read-only copy, so you can't actually like sign them until the day of the closing. It, that's in the case where you're doing like an express closing where a lot of it's done electronically. Um, they'll be sent to you at least that three, four days before closing. Depends on your lender's practices. Everybody's different, but you can review them and take your time reviewing them well ahead. Just ask for it because by law, they don't have to give you the actual closing documents ahead of time. They just have to give you the closing disclosure. So if you want to read the mortgage note, the promissory note, uh, the deed, things like that, you're going to want to ask for that well ahead. So they do that because otherwise they're not going to give it to you. It's definitely a special request. Now on a primary home refinance, you have three days after you sign the documents to actually review them and make sure that you are comfortable with the transaction and that you want to move forward with the transaction. But that's only on a primary home refinance. And there'll be a rescission document in there. So if you read through it and there's something you're not comfortable with, or if you want to cancel the transaction, you do have three days after the closing, three business days to do that on a refinance. On a purchase though, you don't have the rescission period. So as soon as you sign those documents and they send them in, that's it. You're done. You are obligated. So that's why I think on a purchase, it 
makes sense if you're particular and you want those documents, make a special request to your mortgage company or your attorney or title company. Ask them for that closing package ahead of time. Give yourself a little bit of time to review those because once you sign, that's it. You're done. You're obligated and you cannot back out. Did you say the rescission period was three days? Yes, yeah. yes, it's, it's it's three days on a refinance. Is it available though on all all mortgages or? So it is not available on all mortgages. It's only available on a primary residence okay. refinance. So if you're refinancing a second home or an investment property, there is no rescission period. If you're buying any property, there is no rescission period at all. So again, once you sign the documents, that's it. You're done. You have to buy it. You're obligated at that point. Why I said, look at the documents ahead yeah. of time. And although it may be a little bit annoying or time consuming to sit at the attorney's office and really get those questions answered and ask dotting the I's and crossing the T's, so mm -hmm. to speak, you're much better off taking a couple hours to do that at your closing than making a decision that you regret, specifically when it comes to buying a home. Oh, you yeah. want to make sure that you know what you're getting into, you know the terms of the loan, you're comfortable with everything. And if you're not, call your loan officer. What information, though, is contained on the closing disclosure? Okay, so the closing disclosure, in my opinion, it's the most important document that you'll sign at the closing and that you'll get because this closing disclosure is going to have all of the really important relevant information about your loan. It's going to have the interest rate. It's going to say whether it's a fixed rate or an adjustable rate, whether it's got a balloon payment, whether it's got a penalty for paying it off early. It'll show you your monthly payment right on the first page of the closing disclosure with a breakdown. How much is principal and interest? How much is going to PMI, if any? How much is going to your escrow account, tax insurance, et cetera? Um, it'll show all of that right on the front page of the closing disclosure. The other thing is on the bottom of the closing disclosure, it's actually going to show you how much money you need to bring to closing. Or if you're refinancing, even sometimes in the case of a home purchase, how much money you're getting back from closing. So if you're getting money back from closing, it'll actually be reflected as a negative number. If it's a positive number, it means that that's money that you need to actually bring to the closing. On the second page of the closing disclosure, it's going to show you a breakdown of all of the fees that are incurred as part of the loan. So it's going to show you your appraisal fee. Maybe you paid that already. That'll show off to the right-hand side as paid before closing. It'll show any loan origination fees, processing fees, all the mortgage company fees, um, all of the fees for credit reports, document preparation, your attorney's costs, title search, title insurance, recording fees, the escrow account collection fees that we were discussing on a previous episode. That's all entailed on page two of that closing disclosure. Any premiums that have to be paid for insurance, um, taxes that may be due within 90 days of closing typically have to be paid at closing. It'll show those as a line item as well. So you can tell it's like a very in-depth disclosure, but it's only a couple pages. The other thing I'll make note of is if you're refinancing, you're paying off debt. Maybe your current mortgage, we're throwing in credit card debt or student loans, auto loans or other types of debts. That will all be shown as a breakdown of disbursements on the final page of the closing disclosure. It'll show you each item that's being paid mm -hmm. and how much exactly down to the penny is being paid to each creditor. So it really doesn't leave much room for any sort of uh, confusion. It's very straightforward. Um, there was an old document called a HUD-1 statement that was, I think, a little bit better, and I felt a little bit more straightforward, but this is the government-regulated uh, document that we have to use nowadays, so I go into depth with all my clients. We review each page of that 
takes anywhere from, I'd say, 10, 15 minutes on the low end up to maybe a half hour if there's a lot of questions and a lot of different things we need to discuss. But the idea is you really go through this closing disclosure in depth several days before your closing as required by law to make sure you know every single oh, thing. that's good. Now, just so you're aware, the fees cannot change after the closing disclosure is issued. So even if there's a little adjustment, maybe on a tax installment or this or that, like a minor thing, that's okay. But the fees that your mortgage company's charging, your attorney or title company's charging, the actual fees are set in stone. Once you sign that closing disclosure and it's issued to you, those fees cannot change. So you can feel confident that those are your final numbers. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can check out his uh, website at uh, ConnecticutMortgageLending.com and uh, write down this phone number, 860-413-3938. I'll go over some of those uh, details and uh, uh, points of contact uh, momentarily. Um, what uh, what are the most important documents, though, in the closing package? You mentioned a couple of them. But... Yeah, so the closing disclosure we were just talking right, about, also known as a settlement statement. That okay. They also call it a settlement statement. Right. Previously known as a HUD-1, H-U-D-1 statement. So someone that bought a home you know, 10 years ago, they didn't get a closing disclosure. They got this HUD-1 or settlement statement. That's what has the breakdown of the fees and the terms. So that's really, in my opinion, the most important document in there. The next thing is going to be the promissory note. Very important document. The promissory note, as you may know, that's the written agreement that you have with the creditor on the details of the mortgage. That'll show your interest rate. It'll show the principal amount of the loan. Again, one more time for you. If you didn't see it on the closing disclosure, it's shown on that promissory note with a little more detail. And the I would say the final very important document you're going to sign as part of that closing package is the actual mortgage. So what the mortgage is, is the mortgage document secures that note. It secures that loan to the property because a mortgage is a secured debt. It's not an unsecured loan like a credit card or a personal loan. It's actually tied to that house. So when you sign that mortgage, that's what binds that mortgage note to that property so that in the case that you don't make the payments or you don't uh, actually meet the terms of that loan agreement, they can foreclose on the house. So those are really the three most important documents, I would say, in the closing package. But there's a lot of others, just a lot of them aren't that important, really. Those are the important ones. That's what I asked you, the important ones. Just really briefly, can you discuss... Uh, e-closings, you mentioned something about a hybrid e-closing uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a little earlier in the show, uh, remote online notarization. Sure. This is really the forefront right now of the mortgage industry and uh, one of the most exciting yeah. parts. It's going to depend on your mortgage company as well as the title company or attorney that you're using. Okay. okay? So remote, or let's start out with electronic closing. So e-closing is, is electronic closing. And that's going to be a fully electronic closing where you can sign the note. You can sign everything right online. It's very, very uh, cool. It's technology. You know, Mm. it's great that you can do that. But that's not very common right now, a fully electronic closing. Um, What's more common is a hybrid e-close. So the hybrid e-close is a partially electronic closing where you'll sign, I would say, maybe 70, 80 percent of the documents that you're able to sign online. You'll be able to do that on the day of your closing. But you still have to meet with an attorney or title company or notary, depending what state you're in, in order to sign some of the documents like the promissory note mortgage or whatnot. Uh, A lot of the time they'll require those are signed in front 
of someone that has like legal authority, like I said, a notary or an attorney. So that's really common now. And I would say the next step up from that is a remote online notarization, which is also called an RON. Now this started, or I should say really picked up speed due to COVID because people didn't want to meet in person. So the way a remote online notarization works is you can sign all of your closing documents online. The ones that have to be notarized though, you'll do that through like a Zoom type of meeting or there's different software that they use where you can actually show them your ID. You can show them, you know, who you are, prove your identity, that sort of thing. So it's almost like doing an in-person closing, but they're using technology again to validate your identity and things like that. So they can do a remote notarization. So they're still notarizing the document, but instead of meeting with you in person, they're notarizing it using a webcam and using these different software tools that we're talking about here. Okay. All right. Um, Wow, it's, it sounds so cutting edge. What does the future of the mortgage closing process look like then? It, you know, it's hard to say, but I'm really excited about, you know, some of the innovation coming up. So I would say the future is it's going to be quicker. I've heard people talk about closing a mortgage in seven days from start to finish years from now. Um, we're getting close. We are getting well, close. How, how now. many years from now? I mean, I mean, I would say within the next five to 10 years, closing a mortgage in a week to, you know, one to two weeks can be the norm. Right now it's happening, but it's the exception. We need appraisal waivers and all stuff we've talked about. But even on a home purchase, closing in one to two weeks could be possible in the next five to 10 years, utilizing the technology that we're talking about. It'll make everything more seamless. It'll make it more stress-free. Uh, one of the big reasons people have a lot of confusion about the whole process, because it takes a long time, right? What else do you buy that takes months to get besides a mortgage or a piece of real estate? So I think by making that time a lot less, it'll lower the stress level. And I think there'll be maybe some options coming up where we won't need like the online notarizations and whatnot. You might be able to actually take your photo ID, put it up to your webcam and a robot might be able to analyze that. You might be able to show them a utility bill or other sorts of identity verification mm -hmm. to where it will be completely automated and you can close that loan at 3 a.m. in your pajamas in your, in your own home or somewhere like that without involving attorneys or other people. I think that's a ways out. I do. Maybe that's 10, 15 years out, but I think it's possible and I do think it's coming. Oh, we talked about e-closings a, a moment ago and, and you know, they it's just expanding exactly and and, and the e the e closing that's uh it's expediting mm -hmm. it really is really what it's doing um I, listen there's a lot to be excited about in the future there is i'm so excited about the next phase of the mortgage process and of the mortgage industry i think it's just going to make it a lot easier for homeowners and home buyers to build wealth yeah. because I, you may not be able to just click a button and get a mortgage like some people say but i think it might get pretty close to that where Within this short time period, you can buy, sell, and finance real estate. It's exciting. That it, it is. It's 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 and it's really cool. It's just so funny that it's it, even even the real estate industry in more in the mortgage industry is so cutting edge, you know, with with these e. It's e closing. I, would it's, say, it's I, I think mean, it's even, getting there. But even the hybrid closing is eventually going to give way to e closing. That will one day be the norm. I, I think it's already becoming the norm, and I've talked about previously that. What happened with COVID forcing us all inside, the real estate and mortgage industry had to adapt very quickly. Like we had all these deals in place. We did it. 
Awesome. Folks, uh, let me tell you, if you're like me, you're intrigued. I'm going to tell you to do this. Start with their website, www.ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Again, ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Poke around. You're going to get some questions answered, maybe even spark some new ones. You can certainly email Rob at MortgageMattersRadioShow at gmail.com. What I'd like to tell you to do, though, is get that information and schedule a meeting. Make an appointment with Rob. Call this number, 860-413-3938. Again, write it down. Memorize it. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.